Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give, and there's no regular commitment. Just click the link in the show description to support now. Welcome to Save Your Sanity Podcast. I'm Dr. Roberta Shaler. Are you living with the chaos, confusion, and uncertainty that a toxic person loves to create? Is a partner, parent, ex, sibling, child, or coworker causing you to second-guess yourself? That can be crazy-making. I'm here to help you save your sanity. So let's get down to it and figure some things out now. Stay tuned. Welcome to Save Your Sanity. I'm so glad you've joined me. Tonight we're going to be talking about something that you may not have had words quite for. And it's something very important for you to know about. We're going to be talking about emotional facts. But before we do that, I just want to thank you for being with me. And if you would like to support the podcast, if you find value, know that you can do that. You can pledge a dollar a month, $5 a month, whatever you like, by going to patreon.com slash save your sanity. And I really appreciate you doing that as well as subscribing to the podcast wherever you prefer to get your podcast or you can come on over to saveyoursanitypodcast.com and do that there that'll keep us in touch that will keep good information flowing to you and will give you a reminder when there is a new episode for you so that's an important thing for us to be able to stay in touch and if you want to be able to stay in touch with me further you can find me at facebook.com slash relationship help doctor facebook.com slash relationship help doctor and you can follow me there which is great so tonight we're going to talk about emotional facts and we need to know how to recognize how narcissists use them to gaslight and control you because that's what they do and if you don't understand the concept of emotional facts really clearly then you might miss them you may get hooked into them and that's exactly what a hijacker wants you know one of those relentlessly difficult people who wants to take control of their relationship and have power over you and so we know that they like to gaslight and they like to do these things. And the whole intent of this is to hook you emotionally. So they're going to use emotional facts to hook you emotionally. And the next part of that is the gaslighting. Now, you know what gaslighting it is. It's when someone tells you, what you think, feel, need, want, remember, expect. Um, they say things like, I know you better than you know yourself. And they may also just want to define your reality for you. That's a fast way to know if someone's gaslighting you. If they tell you what you think, if they tell you what you want, like, what? No, you can ask me what I want, but don't tell me what I want. You're not me. And so they will use emotional facts to gaslight. And it's important to know that because you could get very caught up in somebody saying, well, don't worry, I've got your back. I know exactly what you want. And they just want 
to do what they want to do. And they are covering that up. Have you had that experience where they're just covering over saying, you'll do it my way by saying, I know what you want. I'll take care of it. And yes, if you're in a healthy relationship, an equal reciprocal mutual relationship, that might be just perfect. It won't be gaslighting. They really will know what you want. And they really will want to give you what you want or get for you what you want. But when you're in an unhealthy, toxic relationship, gaslighting takes place. And in it, emotional facts. And one thing about emotional facts is that they also engage in that hijackal hallmark of all or nothing thinking. I've done it, it, episodes on it before, and all or nothing thinking is where you think about things as either black or white, and there are no shades of gray between them. So one moment, you are the best thing that ever happened to me. You look at me sideways or say something I don't like, and now you're the scum of the earth, worthless, and I don't know why I bother with you. That's all or nothing thinking. And it is hooked into this phenomenon of emotional facts, which you're going to see very clearly as we go through this. Now, another part of the emotional facts is projection. So hijackals engage in projection. What that means is that they project on you what they're most afraid is true of them. So if they're afraid that they are worthless, they will tell you that you are worthless. And so when they do things like that, if you can have the presence of mind to realize, oh, they're actually telling me what's so for them. Instead of taking it on and saying they're talking about me, if you can do that little mental switch and say, oh no, they're telling me who they are. They're telling me what they fear. They're telling me what's going on inside of them by what they say is true of me. And that's what we call projection. And that happens when we're dealing with emotional facts. And another piece of this equation is the imposter syndrome. You know, that's the thing where people really don't feel that they have the goods. They really don't feel that they're as worthy or as prepared or as successful as the world thinks they are or as capable or whatever. They honestly believe they're an imposter. Well, hijackals know that they're imposters. I'm not going to go into the deep psychological things about the fragility of uh, hijackals, but they know they're imposters. And so their bravado, their arrogance, their acting out, their superior attitude is a projection of that, that they're very afraid that someone will find out they can't do it, or they don't know it, or they're actually lying. But that just makes them bolder. And so when it comes to emotional facts, the imposter syndrome is a big deal. And with emotional facts, there is no basis in logic or reality. <laughs> These are not facts of the kind that you can measure. These are not facts of the kind that will remain constant. These emotional facts are shifting sands. And as I was preparing to do this, you know, I've talked to clients about emotional facts for years and 
you know, if, if you need some help with that, no, you can always come and see me too at beaclient.com. But I've talked about emotional facts for a long time with clients. And the whole notion that something has to make sense kind of goes out the window. So I was doing some background checking and finding out where did this idea come from? And you know, have you ever been to court with a hijack call? And one thing that I've noticed after all these years of working with people in toxic relationships who are recognizing and recovering from them and often going through court process, which I help them with, is that hijackals like to hire hijackal attorneys. So as I was researching for this episode and looking for the origin, I came across a quote from a book, and the book is called The Handbook for the New Legal Writer, and it's by Jill Barton and Rachel Smith, and they had this little piece. I'm going to read it to you. It said, advance your theme through emotional facts. Your theme is a comprehensive argument for why your client should prevail, not just on the issue in the memorandum of law, but in the entire case. Because a memorandum of law provides an opportunity to advocate for your client's position, you should include emotional facts that are at the heart of the dispute between the parties and advance your theme. If facts that are not directly relevant to your legal issue could make the court sympathetic to your client, you should consider working these facts into your facts section. For example, imagine that you, you represent the plaintiff in a product's liability case and the defendant has moved to dismiss the case. Even if facts regarding how severely your client was injured do not impact whether the case should be dismissed, you would want to include these facts to give the court your client's perspective. This technique requires subtlety. The court will not want to waste its time reading irrelevant facts. Thus, you should include only the most persuasive emotional facts to develop your theme and help the court understand the case from your client's point of view. After you identify the legally significant procedural and emotional facts, you should weave them into a persuasive story. Okay, that's where it came from, emotional facts. And they came from legal writing. So that was a bit of a surprise that they came from legal writing. Does that surprise you? Well, that's the way it goes in court. So I wasn't terribly surprised, but I was having something very confirmed. <laughs> and um, there it was. There it was. So hijackals pretend to have emotions in order to manipulate other people. You've noticed, right? That's the way it goes. They, they do that kind of thing. So let's talk about what these elusive emotional facts actually are. And you may have read the work of Bill Eddy. I've read all of his things. He has lots of great things to say. And he says that 
Emotional facts are emotionally generated false information accepted as true and appearing to require emergency action. Have you ever been in an argument with a narcissist or a hijackal or a sociopath or a psychopath or a borderline? And they are presenting you with all of this emotional content as if you should do something about it. You should take care of it. You should fix it. And if they happen to be covert hijackals, they're going to cry and they're going to play the victim. And if they're overt hijackals, they're going to do all the you shoulds and you're a terrible person if you don't. Anything at all to get you to accept this emotionally generated false information and have you accept it as true and appear to require emergency action. Fix it right now. Very urgent, right? Are you beginning to recognize where this happens in your relationship? You know, I think of my mother. I certainly suffered from emotional facts. None of the things she told me about me were true. None of the things that she was pressing to get done needed to be done, but it was very important to her. So why do we have to look at these emotional facts? Well, because they are insidious. They are sneaking in. They put their tentacles around you when you are being empathetic. When you are endeavoring to understand the hijackal, they are manipulating you with emotional facts. They may or may not feel any of those things that they're putting out there, but they, they want to hook you into the emotional nature of it. They want to get your mirror neurons stimulated. Now, in science, we talk about mirror neurons, fairly new thing that we understand. And this is what happens when babies are modeling behavior. We mirror, our brain mirrors what we see other people doing. And so hijackals count on that. They count on us wanting to get excited about something, to get emotional about something when they lead us to that place, when they lead us to places that are heightened emotions. And we learn a lot in childhood because we're watching. So we see things, our brains take them in, and then we think, oh, that's what you do. That's what you're supposed to do. That's how it's done. I remember long ago, maybe 20 years ago, I was teaching frequently at a community college and teaching classes for parents of children uh, from newborn to three. And I would always get this big surprised look when I would say, I really hope you enjoyed the three minutes of conception because at that moment, you signed on to be a model of how a woman or a man or men or women in relationship are. You are constantly going to be that model. You have no time off. And there would just be these wild looks of, oh, hadn't thought about it that way. Well, this is the case. The mirror neurons, they're operating. The children are always watching us. You know, I've written books about parenting. And one of the things that I always say is children may fail to do what we tell them, but they'll seldom fail to do what we do. So hijackals want us to get entrained with them in the mirror neurons. They want to be able to stimulate us. So like I said, if we are a, a young child and the adults are giving us messages of, okay, 
do you like me? Do you not like me? How much do you like me? And we're trying to read those messages. So our mirror neurons are looking for things, but we take in what's reflected to us. We want to know, are we important? Are we cherished? Are we neglected? Are we, uh, are they delighted by our presence? And so it makes emotions seem contagious. And that's important for us to realize that emotions, you know, it does seem that way sometimes, doesn't it? Somebody's in a bad mood and you're in a fine mood and just in a very short order, you seem to be in the same dark hole that they are. Um, it's not actually uh, contagious. It's just mirror neurons. We see that. We think, oh, that's what we're doing now. And maybe we have a logical thought that, no, I was perfectly happy. <laughs> but then, um, no, we're not happy. We are now, oh, this is concerning. This is trouble. This is anger. This is um, need, whatever it is. And so emotional facts then get presented very, very straightforwardly as a foil as a way to confuse you, as a way to hook you in, as a way to say, well, you're empathetic, aren't you? You're going to feel what I need you to feel. I'm going to paint a picture of how I want you to feel, and you're going to step into that picture and do what I want. You know, it's almost can be hypnotic. And so in the face of emotional facts, because of our mirror neurons, we think, oh, that's terrible. Oh, that's great. Oh, you have a need. How can I help you? Oh, you're angry with me, and I'll withdraw. We are constantly looking at that mirroring situation. So when someone paints a picture with emotional facts, it sounds like this, you know, because you're always having low self-esteem, I don't know why I stay with you. Well, I don't always have low self-esteem. In fact, I don't have low self-esteem. And I don't know why you stay with me either. That might be the response of the person hearing that. But the emotional fact is, because you always have low self-esteem. Oh, here, feel something. Let me put a fact in there. You always have it. See how it connects to the all or nothing thinking that I talk about, that hallmark of hijackles? All or nothing, everything in, everything out. That's the thinking that causes people to see one little problem in a relationship and say, I'm leaving right? So emotional facts are meant to push your buttons. They are meant to paint a picture that is not real, but serves the speaker. You getting some ideas of when this has happened to you, because it's really important to grasp. It's really important to just take hold of and say, ah, emotional facts, they're not real, but when I sit in the quiet and I look back on how do we argue, what do we do, how does all this happen, um, you start to see that they paint emotional facts and they put them in there as though they are absolute truth. And then they go off from those emotional facts. Because you have such low self-esteem, I'm leaving. So it's your fault I'm leaving. And feel badly in the, in the interim because you have low self-esteem. You know, big question. I wonder where they got the low self-esteem, right? I just wonder. Not rocket science. Hijackles want you to have low self-esteem because they have to be the smartest person in the room. 
They have to take up all the space and air. So they want you to feel badly. So when we look at these, you know, uh, and a covert hijackal or a covert narcissist, as you'll read about in the literature. I don't think we need to go around diagnosing people, so I don't use clinical terms, but a covert hijackal, you know, they can produce tears on order, you know, immediately, or at least they can cry. They are endeavoring to get you to relate to an emotional fact. I am devastated, and by the way, you did it. And they they feel bad. They want you to feel bad. What are you so chipper about when I'm over here, you know, in the depths of despair? And they are always playing on those emotional facts. And the overt hijackal, the arrogant superior, taking all the air out of the room one, they're expressing fear and anger most of the time in various ways. And they want you to absorb it. They want you to. They want you to absorb it and practice switching your brain from emotion to logic is what you need to learn to do. So I want to uh, talk to you about what to do in the face of emotional facts because they're designed to hook you in to match those feelings with those mirror neurons. They're designed to manipulate you into having a feeling, but you didn't hear about the feeling as much as the result. And then you're confused. And when we get into that moment of confusion, we call it disinhibiting the neocortex. Like what happened? And in that moment, they'll slide some zinger in and things get nasty. So I want to give you six things to do, six tips for now that you've recognized that you may have been in a situation where there is emotional facts being played out and you don't want to get hooked in to match their feelings. So let me say this, now that you've recognized that, let's look at number one, do your very best to stay calm. When a whole bunch of emotion comes at you, whether it's anger and fear or it's poor me and pity and ain't it awful and she done me wrong, no matter what it is, just take a breath and say, I'm going to stay calm here. I am going to stay neutral. I am not going to go down that rabbit hole that that hijackal is endeavoring to lead me down so that I will feel what they want me to feel. And then they will manipulate me. So first and foremost, kind of take a metaphoric step back and say, okay, here it comes. I'm going to stay calm. Then the second do not respond to the emotional facts themselves. When they say, you know, well, you always have low self-esteem, don't argue the facts with them. Don't even go there. Don't even get into that place. Do not respond to that emotional content. I know it's tempting because they're, they're not telling the truth and they're telling you how you feel or think or what you need and want. And they didn't ask you. They're just making a pronouncement and it's very annoying and frustrating. But don't get hooked. Don't respond to the emotional facts themselves. Don't get into a conversation about that. It won't go anywhere good. So stay in the logic, stay calm. They've gone into emotion. You need to pull back and stay neutral in logic. And then when, instead of asking them or engaging them or responding to the emotional fact, do number three, ask for an example. And the reason for that is it will put them from the emotion that they're, they're sitting in in their brain over and ask them to get into the logic. 
Now, that's the moment when they say, why are you asking me for that? That's ridiculous. You're just trying to change the subject because they don't have an example in most cases. And if you press them, it becomes your fault for, for making them more annoyed. But the thing is that you want to stay in that neutral place. You want to stay in that logic place. So you just say, well, it'd be really helpful to me if you could give me an example. I want to understand what you're saying. And that will begin to shift them, hopefully, into having to come up with something that has some logic attached to it. And that will get them away from the emotion. Now, that's a big step. I know it's a big ask. But if you train yourself to do that, you will feel much better about these conversations. You won't feel like you have been driven down a rabbit hole and they close the rabbit hole over you and they hope that you're enjoying wrestling in the dark. You need to be able to just stay outside of the rabbit hole by staying out of the emotion and stay in the logic. Very important. So ask for an example and do it not like, okay, that's not true. Give me one example. You did that. No, not like that. Like I said earlier, I'd really like to understand more what it is that you want me to know. Could you give me an example? That would be really helpful. And genuinely say that. And the, the hope is that we'll shift from their emotional side to their logic side, to their rational, well, it won't be totally rational, but to their linear logical side. And that will give you a little moment's breather. You can almost see their brains screech to a halt and have to shift. They're very angry about it, and that's why they start to blame you instead of responding to your request for an example. And that will help you understand that they were in emotional facts at that moment. Because when you asked for an example, they don't have one. They're making it up to browbeat you. And that will help you understand and distinguish what's really going on. And then number four, in the same inquiring way, say, you know, that doesn't sound like me. Are you sure? It, it just doesn't feel right. I really want to understand. It doesn't feel right. Are you sure? And when you ask them for certainty, you know, they're, they're not sure. But again, you're putting them into a place that you can calibrate what's going on with them. And this is where you want to be because hijackers like to have you on the run. And when you start, and this is what I do with my clients, you know, I always say if there isn't physical, if there isn't physical or sexual abuse, stay in the relationship to become empowered. And when you are empowered, then you'll make a better decision. And if you're going to leave, that's the time to leave. Well, these are the kinds of things you need to learn before you make a decision to leave. So you ask for certainty. You know, I I just don't recall that. Maybe another example or, you know, do you remember exactly when that happened? You're absolutely sure, huh? Okay, so they think you're listening and you are, but you're listening for something different than they're saying. And that's important for you to be in that neutral position. And then number five is state your truth, which is, you know, I don't recall it happening like that. No, actually, that's not how I feel. I'd be happy to tell you how I feel if you'd like to ask, but no, that's not how I feel. Or, you know, my recollection of that is very different. And, um, you know, 
I'm happy to talk with you about it, but that's not the way I remember it. So you're actually stating your truth. You're not getting angry. You're not getting in their face. You're not making them wrong. You're not denying their emotional facts. You are simply stating your truth because you have the right to do that. You have the right to take up space, draw a breath, and say whatever it is that you need, feel, want, think, prefer. You have that right. And you know the caveat, because I always put it on there, as long as you do not mention another human by name or pronoun. <laughs> you have the right to speak up about how you feel and what you think. And if anyone tells you you don't, you've got to have a good look at that part of the relationship because it is not okay. So state your truth. Say what's true for you. And then number six, unhook. Okay, they wanted to take you down the rabbit hole. They wanted to give you emotional content. They wanted to suck you into their vortex. They wanted to take you by the nose on an emotional journey. And because you use these six things, you are now at number six and you just unhook and go, oh, that was interesting. There it was, another example of an emotional fact. There it was laid bare when I asked them for an example or I asked them if they were sure. And I went through these steps. And so you will notice that as you get stronger, things work much better. And the more information that you have, like this information tonight on emotional facts, the better equipped you are to see what's really going on, to be able to give words to how you feel and what it is that's driving those feelings. These are very, very important things. So you know that you can always find me um, at Save Your Sanity Podcast, and you can find me at my website at For Relationship Help. As I said earlier, if you'd like to be a client, I have a new client offer of a full one-hour session for only $97, and you find that at BeAClient.com. Always happy to talk with you. We can get quite a bit done in an hour. And then lastly, if you're not on YouTube, frequently and you haven't found me there, you can find me at youtube.com slash for relationship help, the same as my website. So I'm so glad that you joined me and it's always a pleasure to have you here and I hope that you will return. And in the meantime, until we see each other again, I hope you'll take very good care of yourself because you really do matter. And it's really important to show yourself that every day. Talk soon. Thank you for joining me on the Save Your Sanity podcast today. I hope you've had some new insights, some ideas and strategies to help you gain clarity and confidence for moving forward toward greater emotional health and safety. You deserve that and so do your children. If you found value here and would like to support this podcast with a dollar or five each month, please do so at patreon.com slash save your sanity. Learn more about how to work with me via video conference, join my optimized circles, or subscribe to this podcast on my YouTube channel at my website, transformingrelationship.com. Talk soon.